Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with addiction recovery specialist, life transformation coach, and the host of the SHARE podcast, Omar Pinto. Thanks for coming on the show, Omar. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you, man. And I'm really interested to hear more about your coaching and the podcast but I know you've been sober for over 15 years now. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what things looked like before you got sober? Like, where did all this start? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm about to turn 50. I turn uh, January 15th. We're, we're still in December 2020. And in January 2021, I'll be turning 50 years old. Um, and when I think about this journey... The, my 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 life's journey um it it's really a fascinating page turner um and i think that for for many of us if we if we don't stop if we don't stop and appreciate what i would call you know um a you know like a a a novel a best selling movie you know or something something of that nature um you lose sight of why you're here right i mean you're you're as a human being you're here to experience life in all of its flavors the ups and downs the goods the bads and you know when i uh, you know recovery and addiction being such a huge like i guess you could say um like 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 a uh an explosion Right, like like the big bang, so to speak. Uh, that what I, which is what I needed for me to really find myself and emerge. I think that what happens to us is if we get stuck somewhere, um, the universe will provide us with opportunities to to implode or explode, so that we're forced to make changes. Mm-hmm. So for me, what that looks like, you know, if we're looking at this like this fifty year trajectory, if we're looking at this story. You know, and if we're talking about what it looked like in the beginning before I even started using drugs and alcohol, really, that's where almost everyone needs to begin. It's in our childhood, you know. Um, So I was born into, um, I guess you could say, for for all intents and purposes, white privilege. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll just go there, right? Um, Because I'm not white. I'm Hispanic, Okay, so my father's Colombian, my mother's Cuban, my father came from Colombia, migrated from Bogota, Colombia, when he was in his late teens, early 20s to the United States. My mother came from Cuba. She migrated when she was about 
13 years old to the United States, right? So I am Hispanic for all intents and purposes. But, you know, I have this very white skin uh, born in the United States. So my first language is English. Mm-hmm. Never had a Latino accent, you know? So I was, it was almost like, interestingly enough, there, a lot of the adversities that um, even my father faced, because he didn't speak English and my mother didn't speak English when they moved to the United States. Mm-hmm. So that was something they had to learn. And they also had to come o- overcome racism, which is something that they didn't want my sisters and I to experience. You know, f- so for us, you know, it would be when I when I look back, I was like, oh, man, you know, I got a shot. You know, like I, I started out already ahead, just slightly ahead of, uh, ahead of the game right? You know, what could possibly go wrong? Well, all kinds of shit went wrong. You know, like as, as a kid, it's, it's almost like you're especially raised in the, in the, I was born in 1971. So it was the 80s when I was already like a teenager. So 80s, 90s is late teens, early 20s. And by then, you know, um, I, was, I was a very angry, I was a very frustrated kid. You know, I, um, I had no idea what to do with my life. My mother's, a, my mother um, was, is, is still a Jehovah's Witness. My mother's a Jehovah's Witness. So very religiously devout. My father yeah. uh, comes from a very machista, very uh, Hispanic background. So it was mm-hmm. lots of control, dominating the home, you know, live under my rules, right? Or live somewhere else. You know, you live under my rules or you don't live here at all. Yeah. So there was never really kind of this, opportunity to expand as a human being okay it was almost like okay so you're born into this family and here are the rules of engagement and here's what you have to do right so you do what your mother says on this side you do what your father says on that side and there's really no other options you just kind of do what you're told don't ask too many questions children should be seen and not heard doesn't really matter what you're going through emotionally right you're not old enough to have feelings and emotions yet we'll get there mm-hmm. we'll get there but right now you're, you you shouldn't have any of those okay you're too young right you're too young to be tired you're too young to be angry you're too young to be frustrated you're too young right it was always like you're too young to be something and so growing up you know at little by little as the years went on right it was either i was either angry or frustrated or sad or disappointed or lost and it was just this kind of continues so just just imagine that for the first 16 years of my life I was trying to find me lost completely lost in this world I gotta pop out land here right you think life's gonna be like you know easy for this kid wrong right by the time I was 16 and a half years old you know, I was constantly picked on and bullied at school. I had no kind of identity that I had established for myself. I was pushing against my parents, pushing against school, pushing against almost everything. Like, it just felt like I was fighting every day of my life, right? And, and I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And then uh, I had my first drink when I was, um, when I was 16 years old, okay. 16 and a half years old. And it's like the world just stopped. Like, it just got quiet. Like all of a sudden, like it was all the noise and all the chatter 
stopped and the world kind of slowed down. Things kind of, it chilled. And for the first time in my life, I, I think I felt like me. Like, is this what me feels like? Is it? Because this feels pretty good. Like right now, this this feeling I have is is of peace. I feel some joy in here. Like there's some joy. I feel some joy happening. I feel connected to the people. Everybody else is drinking. I'm drinking. I feel connected. There's something happening here, and it it's all good. Like all the indicators are good, right? Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden I go into a conspiracy theory where I start to believe that this is why my parents don't want me to drink. They're gonna. This is the secret world. Yeah. This and is did, this. Go did ahead. that did that change any uh, that dynamic in the family? Like when you started drinking, you know, the whole you're too young to to feel this, to feel that, or was it basically just like you guys can keep trying to pin me down, but I'm kind of doing my own thing now because I've. It was they they kept on their same regiment mm -hmm. of trying to control mm -hmm. me, and I had awoken. Okay. Yeah. Now it was yeah. like no way to put the genie back in the bottle. I know the truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is horseshit. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is this is not my circus, not my monkeys. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. So the first, you know, I kept leaving home. I kept, I mean, I, I think when I was a kid, I ran away from home a couple of times, you yeah. know, and we're talking about 10, 11 years old, where I scared the bejesus out of my parents. Just packed some stuff into a little knapsack and 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 took a oh, crazy stuff mm -hmm. right like just left right and then at some point going like what do we do now like where are we going to sleep right yeah and then my parents your parents finally catching up with you and just you know bearing down on you with such a whooping you know what i mean it was like are you crazy what are you doing and i was so i was so unhappy right so i left when i was like 17 years old and then i came back home and my mom came out after and got me and then i left and i was always living on somebody's couch like i would just take off right i would just like pack some of my shit and go sleep on somebody's couch right yeah. and it was just this constant rebelliousness right and every time i would go out it would be just like an excuse to go out and party right and go drink and, and wreak havoc and then when i turned 19 about 19 is when i first smoked weed right and that was like a whole nother, like, wow, marijuana. This is like, it's a whole different kind of high. I didn't even know that there was multiple types of highs, but this one right here is better than the drinking high. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing this now moving forward. So now I had the weed in there and the alcohol in there really. And it was, hey, just think, just think about this, like the life experience, like what we started like. Okay, like how we started this conversation, like we all come down here to experience being human. And so it really doesn't matter what what race you're born or what, you know, what what race or uh, religious background or uh, schooling, whatever the case may be, you are going to have this experience called life happen for you and to you. Because yeah. it, 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 it certainly it certainly does feel like it's happening to you when you're in the mix. Right. And so, again, I have no idea what it is I'm trying to prove. I have no idea what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. All I know is that whenever I drink or use, I'm happy. 
That's yeah. it. There's just like this correlation between feeling whole, feeling happy, feeling free. I get that. And being and and being myself, right? Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, I started at 16 and I would say until about 31 30 uh, close to 30 right around 30 you know um it was it was just an experiment like life experience life experiment of tons of different types of jobs tons of relationships with women you know just this 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 sort of like um mix of everything you know, like I was, I was trying on all kinds of different types of hats. So I'd work as a car and car sales and, and door-to-door -door water treatment and, and uh, a restaurant uh, uh, waiter and assistant manager and manager, okay? And, you know, you name it, right? I worked right. at grocery stores, worked at, you know, worked as a mortgage banker. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just mm -hmm. always just like, you know, never settled like i never felt settled i never felt accomplished i never felt like i'd made it or i was on the right path ever it was like always sink or swim sink or swim sink or swim like i hate this job i gotta get out of this job i gotta find this other job okay boom i found this job okay great this is it this is okay this is perfect i'm doing great i'm gonna this i love this yeah a few months later this job sucks how did i end up here oh my god i hate the hours blah 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 so there was this discovering and becoming that happens it's like insanity it's craziness and the only thing that would bring me peace constantly so if, if we just kind of loop around to yeah. it was the drugs and the alcohol like mm -hmm. that was the only time i could like get a break and reset and get a new start point. Okay. Yeah. And so for many years, it worked. Like I said, you know, we're talking 15 years of my life, 15, 16 years of my life. I use this as a way of drowning out the noise and kind of resetting myself and finding some peace and, and being able to kind of separate myself from the mayhem. Hmm. Uh, then I moved to Costa Rica. Um, to, to start an online casino and sports book um, and got involved with, with cocaine and ecstasy and mushrooms. And like, I mean, just a whole menu of drugs and alcohol. I also met my wife, my first wife, uh, right when I got to Costa Rica. So right around 30 years old is when the, like the, the next real big thing, like, so 16 years old, that was my first big shift in finding myself, okay? Getting a glimpse of myself and then moving in that direction. Like, I'm gonna make this choice. Okay. Damned if, if, if how it affects me, I'm gonna, this is the choice, I'm gonna move in this direction. Right. Go to Costa Rica and like burn all the bridges behind me and go, this is the direction I'm moving into. This is, the, this is gonna, this is it, right? Um, end up, meeting my, my first wife when I got here. So I was around 30, a uh, few years after we got together, we got married, she got pregnant. Right. So there was all this stuff just happening where like my life in the United States was over. My life in Costa Rica had begun. And now all of a sudden I am in this relationship where now I'm managing, not just being a husband and now about to become a father, 
but I'm managing this horrific cocaine addiction that year after year is just it's snowballing into this giant white monster, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm that I'm becoming. And now I can't find any peace anymore. Okay. Now I'm back. I'm back in that cyclone of chaos that I was in when I was a child trying to find myself. But now I had no relief whatsoever. Right. Now the drugs and alcohol stop working. I'm in constant pain. I'm constantly suffering. I'm trying to get it all back, trying to get that feeling back. I can't. So I can't be, I can't be high. I can't be sober. And scary. It's scary. I'm in this kind of purgatory space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a wife. Everyone hates me, including her. And I'm about to have a baby. Right. And so at wow. some point it was like, I, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't really function as a human being. It feels as though like I've used all my chips. Mm. Okay. For lack of a better term. Like if I was in a video game, you know, I'm down to one life left. Right. Right. Okay. And I'm, and I'm really like all resources gone, all weapons are gone. And it's just like, you know what, why don't I just walk in front of one of these, you know, machine guns and just, you know, let's just, end it let's just let's game over this right Mm because no one deserves me right now yeah not my not not my wife not my future daughter not nobody right Mm -hmm. so it's this crazy sort of video game of life where if you if i look back at it now it feels like a video game 100 percent. yeah it feels like (laughs) yeah not my life this is like a movie (laughs) i've been watching or something yeah. Well, and that's why I started out like that. If we, it's a page turner, right? Mm-hmm. And if you take the time, if you stop for a moment and you start kind of like reading back in the book of your life, you know, those of you are listening, you'll find a lot of answers. For sure. Okay. A lot of clues, right? And ultimately, a lot of lessons. Like, I wouldn't be the father I am today. I wouldn't be the husband I am today. I wouldn't be the leader I am today. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the friendships I have today if I hadn't let that person die. So right in that moment, right, 17 years ago, right, when I was just at that realization that I no longer served a purpose except to bring tons of pain to other people and myself. Yeah. It was just like this, like, you know, maybe one night, like it was one of the, one of those nights where it was like, I think I may have taken enough drugs that this shit might kill me. Hmm. I, I might not wake up tomorrow and that would not be a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm ready. Like it's when that happens, when that happens, what I, what I, I, my, my, my own hypothesis is that when I made that decision to die in that moment, that something inside me actually did. Like there was a version of me that needed to die and he died. And this other version of me pushed through. And that version of me was ready to now become a father and a husband and a leader um, and a recovery advocate, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody that could help other people do the same thing. And again, if I hadn't rock bottom my life the way that I had, yeah, then it's very difficult for people to take it seriously it's true. when you haven't just ruined your marriage, destroyed your business, lost everything you ever had. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crawled into a room of narcotics anonymous begging, you know, for help. 
because you've got nobody left in your life. Yeah. 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 I, I get that, man. And you know, I, I think about that a lot because my life had to get to a very similar point where it was just, I don't want to say I didn't have any options because I think you just described it pretty well. I mean, for me, the other option was death and it could have easily gone that, that route. Uh, but I think about this a lot. I have a lot of, uh, you know, admiration to stay, to say the least for people that don't have to get to that point and still find their way into recovery. Cause I think it is important for people to hear, especially, you know, people listening to this, that you don't have to get to that point, right? Like you don't have to lose everything and, you know, be on the verge of death, like Omar and I were to, to find recovery. But I think for a lot of people, that's just that's what it takes because there's not, because the pain is such a good motivator, right? Like it, it pushes you. I mean, I've heard people say that, um, that they wish that sometimes like when new people were coming in, that life didn't get good for them so quickly because then maybe they'd, you know, they'd stick around a, a little bit longer, which, which I understand. I, I want to ask, you know, what is, you, you come in, you get involved in a 12 step program, like you said, uh, you, you start doing the deal. It sounds like what was the biggest thing that you struggled with early in sobriety? Would you say my ego? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's just like what you said right there about when people say, I wish it wouldn't have gotten so good mm -hmm. so fast mm -hmm. because it got really good, really fast. Yeah. And nothing you can do about that. If it happens, it happens. But I was so banged up. I was so defeated that after a few weeks of going to meetings every single day and not using drugs and being around other people that understood me, the, the feeling I had is indescribable. It was like, oh my God, I, I think I'm going to make it. Like, I think there's, I, I really feel like there's some hope here. And so I immediately just started devouring the material. I got into the basic text you know, like the, the, the guy from um, like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. You ever see that movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm highlighting the book, right? And I'm highlighting everything and I'm getting all these messages that are now like, you know, I'm like writing this, you know, this manifesto. Yeah. Right. And then I'm going to meetings telling people like, you don't have to go through the steps so you know, it doesn't have to take so long. I've, I've learned a shortcut. I'm not even in there 30 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. I look, yeah. I sound like a complete buffoon, but I think I'm the smartest guy in the room. Mm. Like I really, I am a hundred percent believing my shit. And so what was, what was, what was going against me in that moment that I didn't realize it is that the ego, very real, very present in my life was like, yeah, I don't know about this 12-step shit. Mm -hmm. So let's fucking throw a grenade in here. Let's throw a grenade. Let's just, let's just see what happens. Because, you know, this is sounding a lot like that organized religion cult shit that was happening back when you were a kid. And I'm not sure I'm liking it. They're talking yeah. about God of our understanding and having a higher power and, you know, you know, don't be proud, be grateful. And they got this weird language that they're talking here. Mm -hmm. So it almost felt like there was a part of me that was like, ah, 
I don't like, I don't like. <laughs> and so yeah. it was, it was so, but, but no, unbeknownst to me, cause the other version of me shows up like the, 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 you know, the poster child for 12 step, you know, I want to start sponsoring guys. I have no, I, I'm just completely out of my mind. I got my sponsor in there going, you need to slow down. Mm. Like yeah. that sign, you see where it says easy does it? Easy does it. That's not just a cliche or a sign. Easy, dude, slow the fuck down. And I was like, I hear you. I hear you. Whatever. And it, so for me, really early on, most of us have no idea the sinister fucking monster that lives inside of us. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's afraid. He is proud. He is um, cynical. And he is, you know, um, yeah, very, very cynical and very, um, I would say, dangerous to a certain degree mm -hmm. because jaded, jaded. Sure. You know, um, he's jaded and he's he's been fucked over so many times that, you know, he's just like, I'll let you believe whatever you want to believe. But when I need to pull the ripcord on this thing, I'm pulling you out. Yeah. Because we're not going down that road again. Mm. And no one is telling us what the fuck to do. And so there is that in there. There is that that little monster in there that to a certain degree is there to protect us, but we'll go too far. Right. And we got to allow the process. So mm -hmm. I'm very grateful that he stepped in and blew me up. So about five months into my about five months into sobriety, I relapsed. Mm. And I mean, I went on about a two month run. Okay. Yeah. And it was one of the nastiest relapses. It was the only relapse. What am I talking about? It's the only relapse. It was two months. And I mean, I went off the chain. So it was so horrible that I, I literally went for two months, couldn't get high. Man. Just kept using and trying and using and shifting and trying and this and that and mixing and Coke and alcohol and weed and this and pills. And it's like, nothing's working. It's not working. I'm not getting high. It's not working. Hmm. You know? And so there was this like fear that came over me. And that's also when the ego had to take a back seat. Cause when I realized that this is no longer going to work and I had to do something different, then he's like, all right, man, I guess we got to do this thing for a while. This 12 step thing. Mm -hmm. right and we'll do it for about a year yeah and then we'll see what happens yeah see and that's what, what i did i gave myself a year okay to work it without my interjecting mm -hmm. i was just going to receive information process take action receive information process take action i was no longer going to receive information process change the rules right right Hey, I was just way. going to do what I was going to be told. And a year into it, it felt as though the ego went to sleep for a while. Hmm. The ego went to sleep for a while. Like things were just unmistakably going well. Like I had a, I had a new job. I was doing well. I was getting along with my ex-wife. You know, I was spending time with my daughter. I was sober. I felt good. 
Um, I was starting to sponsor guys, right? Like my life had meaning and purpose again. And so that was pretty much it for the next 10 years. So for a solid 11 years, so we're talking one year for me to get to that place where I could sponsor guys, yeah. then about a solid decade of me being very much involved in the process and in 12-step recovery, um, where for those 10 years, I sponsored guys for a decade. Yeah. Okay? It wasn't okay. a time where I took a break. And I would take them through the same process I went through. So it was like me going through it again. It was like really reinforcing it. But what was happening was I was really sharpening my coaching skills. Okay, what was happening was what was showing up for me is like I was one of the guys in the room where the new guys would come in and they would get, could you sponsor me? Could you sponsor me? Could you sponsor me? Like they'd hear me share and they're like, can you sponsor me? And I was overloaded, right? So um, I got to a place where I, I couldn't handle any more sponsees. I had to like turn them away, mm -hmm. you know? And the good news was I had sponsees that were now ready to sponsor guys. So my sponsees were now sponsoring guys that I couldn't sponsor, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, we're talking five days a week, I'm working with a guy. Yeah, And a there is this, this thing that happens when you have a gift, when you have uh, a talent, a gift, uh, however you want to describe it. But my, I have this very, very, very um, strong, intuitive nature. So what would happen is I would be taking guys through the steps, but eventually I would get them to a place where they would be having either problems with their jobs or with their wives or with their girlfriends. They were having real life situations. And in recovery, that's not the job of the sponsor. The sponsor is yeah. only supposed to take you through the steps. Mm -hmm. But I would develop these relationships with these guys that were so strong. And I would just intuitively know how to guide them through it. Right. Um, and, and fortunately I had a lot of life experience to, to, to back me up. And so fast forward to about a decade in, so let's just say about 10 years in, I meet my wife at, uh, year 11, I start to recognize it, that there's something missing in my life. Cause my wife's big on personal development. So she would, she was taking all kinds of courses and she was taking workshops and I'm just kind of like not doing anything. Like I had stopped growing. I was only in 12 steps and I'm watching her, you know, she was, she went to the, you know, um, international Institute, uh, for nutrition to become a wellness coach. And she was taking a Reiki master. She was already, a um, she was already, um, a yoga instructor. She was always teaching classes. You know, meanwhile, her, her real gig was over at Citibank. So she's in finance, right? So my wife's just this multifaceted, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, brain. Okay. She loves, she just absorbs information, just loves to learn. So she's taking all these courses, right? And I kind of feel like I'm like falling behind, you know, like to a certain degree. And I'm still in the gaming business. So I was still, all these years, you know, to live in Costa Rica and to make, you know, a, a, a good living, especially someone who's from the United States, right? Being in the gaming industry afforded me, you know, good amount of money, right? So I was doing real well financially, but 
around 2015 is when I launched the podcast, the share podcast, which yeah. was recovery focused. So now here's a guy who's got 11 years in sobriety, who's launched a recovery podcast, who still sponsors guys who has this very spiritual life. Cause you know, once you, you know, dig deep into recovery, you, you, you instinctively, you instinctively develop a spiritual con uh, condition, right? And so everything in my life was like working. My marriage, my relationship with my ex-wife, my relationship with my daughter. My daughter's like 15 years old now. I mean, she's, no, no, no. She was uh, 11 years old at the time. So my daughter's 11 years old. You know, we're getting along great. Like everything is going well. And there's this, this, this like, cancer that's in my life it's me being in the sports book business still so i'm still the general manager of a casino right online casino so there is this blemish that's always kind of just like hovering over me just kind of like eh, i'm here you know and you benefit from people's addiction and you know it'll take its toll on you right because i never expected the share podcast to do so well and then before I know it, I've got like thousands of listeners and I've got really good guests and we're having these very powerful conversations that are yeah. going viral. And it's like, you're a fucking fraud, hmm. you know? Um, and so fortunately that, that, that business, it, it took its, it, it finally just fizzled out. Right. Like I'd gotten to a point where I was in the, I was in this, gaming business and it was destroying me it was i was i was having severe adrenal fatigue so if you don't know where your adrenal glands are they're right over your kidneys so you have your kidneys and you have these adrenal glands that produce cortisol okay and so when your stress levels are too high it will it will create an imbalance in your cortisol. So when I'm trying to sleep, I'm awake. And when I'm awake, I can't stay awake. Okay. So I'm trying to go to sleep when I'm awake. I can't sleep when I'm, when I can't sleep when I'm actually trying to go to sleep. I'm all whacked, right? Uh, I can't put my wedding ring on because my fingers are so swollen because I'm retaining so much water. So when I'm stressed, I just puff up like a big, you know, like a water bottle, uh, like a puffer fish. So I'm just, under this tremendous amount of stress, uh, everyone that I work with, it was a, it, we, I had, I had launched a brand new casino with some other guys. I I'd left the place I was at, started a new one. And there was so much stress because it was it, for lack of a better term, it was a circus act. Okay. Mm. It was absolute clown shoes. We just basically, we just kind of pieced some people together with very limited resources and said, go start, build this thing. Let's go. And I was so under-resourced, undermanned, overwhelmed. And I got to a place where I was working six days a week, 10 hours a day. And I could not get the rest I needed for my adrenal glands to get back into place and for all my hormone levels to come back to normal. And so finally, one day I just snapped. I snapped, I walked out 
And this was in 2000, February, 2017. And that's when my journey of coaching began. Hmm. So we're talking, it's 2000, we're about to go into 2021. Right. So we're talking four years ago. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. four years ago, I walked out of that casino and I said, I'm never going back. Um, and here's the thing about life, folks. Okay. I want you to listen very closely. Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Now I was making great money at the casino. How much did I have in savings? It made sure whatever it was, whatever, whatever version of me needed to come through, whatever higher version of me needed to evolve, had to bring me to my knees again. A rock bottom where my health was in one of the worst crises since I quit using drugs. Okay. And we're talking at that, at that part, I was about 12, 12 years either 12 or 13 years in sobriety. And I looked worse than when I was, not really, but I felt worse. Yeah. Because here I was, I had nothing to numb myself with. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to anesthetize myself, nothing. I had to deal with every single one of these emotions sober. And it was killing me. And I remember thinking when I walked out, I'm like, Cause my wife's like, you know, you should have waited a little bit, saved a little bit of money. Cause now we're, we're kind of like in this spot, you know what I mean? Now I got to support us, blah, blah, blah. But the thing was this, I recognized that there was a higher power working in my life, a higher version of me that says, if Omar's got one fucking dollar in his bank, yeah, he's going to hold on to it. Hmm. We're going to have to just bankrupt him. We're going to have to put his health into chronic fatigue. We're going to send him partners that are completely insane sociopaths, okay, that have no sense of family or balance or free time or rest, okay? I was working with people that, that basically were just these animals that could work 70 hours a week, right? Yeah. right? And they were just like... You know, they would call at ungodly hours. Yeah, just you want to get an update. What's going on? Yeah, we need to have a meeting tomorrow at 5 a.m. because the guys from fucking Dubai need to meet and this and that and crap. And it was like, they, they, there was a version of me that says we have to take him down so hard again that it takes him six months before he gets back up again. Hmm. Yeah. And it did. Wow. It took me six months for me walking out and quitting for me to be able to kind of like, I think I can go to work now. I think like I can, okay. I think like, I'm okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. All right. I think I'm back. Right. All the, like all the inflammation's gone. I'm sleeping regularly. I'm exercising again. It's like, I'm like, okay. Reboot. Okay. Wow. Great. And then my wife's like, you're never going back to that again. Yeah. So figure out whatever you're going to do. You're not going back to that, but you got to figure out something, right? Yeah. Well, it had to become clear that that wasn't the, the path. That right? was, yes. Okay. Yeah. So beautiful, beautiful. That's the way to close that out. Mm -hmm. the, the universe, your higher self, 
there has to be no doubt. You literally have to sit at the shore, gasoline all over the boats, like the watch them, marshmallows. No way to get back on those boats. Right. Yeah. No the way pop, to get back. Is it, it's it, n- gone. Yep. That's it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Take the island. Yeah. Right. So take you got it. you got no choice. Yeah, no, no choice. So, and so the next chapter is getting into life transformation coaching. And, and so our, our listeners have probably heard my, my plug, I'm sure like at the beginning and the end of the show uh, for uh, not specifically your coaching, but something you do with your coaching, which is in uh, sobriety engine, uh, which is sober nations, uh, recovery community online and so I want you to kind of touch on a little bit of, of what you do within your life transformation uh, coaching, but also share with me uh, a little bit of what you're doing in sobriety engine. Like what, what does this actually look like? So this is a culmination of so many different things that happened from that moment, from that awakening mm-hmm. in 2017. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had interviewed one of the, one of the people that I interviewed for share was um, a very successful entrepreneur, Tony Grebmeyer. And he owned a fortune 5,000 company, you know, financially doing very well. And he was just starting in the personal development space, which is why he asked to be on my show. And so after the podcast, I said, I said, listen, can I ask you some questions? He's like, sure. What do you got? I go, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what to ask you. So I'll just start with, I'm completely lost. I was in this kind of a business for 15 years. I have no idea what to do. Here's what I currently have. I have this, this podcast. It gets like 30,000 downloads a month. I've got this community on Facebook's got like 5,000 members. You know, I have, you know, people that are tuning in every week. And other than that, I got nothing else. And he's like, well, have you ever thought about hiring a coach or joining a mastermind? And I go, no. He goes, start there. I go, I don't have any money. He's like, not my problem. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's like, the entrepreneur, for those of you who are interested in being an entrepreneur, this is a hard fucking road. Mm-hmm. It is hard. It is arduous. It is painful. It is tremendously gratifying when you make it. But the whole time before you make it, you're asking yourself every single day, am I going to make it? Yeah. That's the question. Every single day, am I going to make it? Sure. And so I joined a mastermind community. And I started there. And then my wife went to an NLP uh, workshop, neuro linguistic programming. And I said, Can I go with you? And she's like, Oh my God, yes, of course. Right? She was so excited. And these were my first steps into personal development was joining a mastermind community and then going to this workshop with her. And my life at the, we're talking probably October somewhere in there, I would say October of 2017, my whole life changed. I went to an NLP workshop 
and my life would never be the same again. Hmm. It was so fascinating. I never learned anything so quickly in my life. Like I was absorbing this information. It was almost like it was already a part of me. And she could see that I was just loving it. She says, why don't you ask him to coach you one-on-one? And it was tough because, you know, she was supporting us at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I got to ask her. I'm like, this is on your dime, honey. She goes, I don't care. You can't spend enough money in personal development. You just can't. So do it. And we're going to take the practitioner course. So boom. Um, money for one-on-one coaching. Boom. Money to get our certification as a NLP practitioner. Boom. Right. Let's just go. And at that point, this momentum started to build. Right. And I didn't realize what it was. This momentum was. But what it was is this belief in myself that came from my wife. There was, since I was unable to believe in myself, there was this power greater than me that believed in me before I could believe in myself. So it was like this, this wonderful gift of belief that comes from somebody else. And the people I was in the course with, like I was, I was in the NLP, NLP practitioner course and everyone else in there could see it too. They, they, were, they were like, if, if anyone's gonna use this thing, it's going to be Omar, right? Because people take coaching certification. My wife's got two coaching certifications, doesn't use either one, mm-hmm. right? Just, you know, the deal. Me, I take this and I just run with it. I just, it's like it filled me. Like it was like, like everything I'd ever been waiting for was now here. And I remember I, I did the one-on-one coaching with this, the, with the teacher, with the, with the one that was taking us through the course, right? Um, it single-handedly changed my life. Like I, I know that we, we coached for nine hours. That was it. We coached for nine hours. And at the end of those nine hours, I recognized that the only thing holding me back was me. Was all of the programming, all of the limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. all the negative self-talk, the inner critic, like what we did in those nine hours was identify the language that was dominating my thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We crushed the majority of them. And then we reframed the ones that needed to, right? And it was just really about owning the fact that everything, everything that led up to that moment was vital and crucial for me to continue on my path. I had to experience what I experienced because it was only then that while I was in this process of coaching that I could recognize the coach that lies within me. And so when I left, I go, that's it. I'm, I'm ready to go. As soon as I'm done with the NLP practitioner, right? I'm getting my certification. I'm launching my business. And we're talking, that was in October by January 1st, of 2018, I launched my coaching practice. I lost, I launched my own mastermind community. I launched my own membership community. Right. And it, it took off pretty much from the start. Yeah. Okay. Not, not with the financial numbers Mm -hmm. that, that one would hope for, but enough proof of concept to prove that I could actually did this, this is a viable business for me. Yeah. And 
if it wasn't for my addiction, if it wasn't for recovery, if it wasn't for rock bottoming my life, if it wasn't for me walking away from God, if it wasn't for me walking away from my parents, if it wasn't me being irritable, restless, and discontent, and finding drugs and alcohol, and then wrecking my life and ruining everything, and having to take the hero's journey back to that place of humility over and over and over again, what I have really been able to say, wow, I can make a difference, but like a massive difference. So that's where it started. And then what happens is then it's just practice. So I would get a coaching client here and a coaching client there. And then I've got my weekly mastermind call. And then the, you know, you've got the membership community. So I'm I'm in there, right? Like it's, it's really a matter of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but you know, like, I think I do right Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I've got my higher power. So the first year or two was really about learning how to build my practice, how to get clients, you know, how to get referrals, how to get, you know, like all this stuff. So in the midst of all this is yes, I'm good at what I do. Yes, I'm getting better the more I practice, but still the 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 financial stability is still kind of yeah you know we're it's still I mean like any new business you're, the first year of any new business is going to run in the red mm-hmm. period you have to you have to build it and it costs money to build it, it does and yeah. so lo and behold I'm just I'm heading into 2020. I'm heading into 2020 and I've got a good, I've got a good roster of clients. I've got, you know, like my month, like November, December, January, good months. I go, I think this is it. 2020. This is my year. It's hot. This is it. Coronavirus hits. So I'm like, boom, radio silence. Hmm. I didn't pick up a new client for months. February. March, April, like February was already slow, right? It's like January is a big month because people want to make radical changes in their life. So they're hiring their life coach. But by February, they've already forgotten about whatever the new year's resolution is. They're back to being their old selves again. Maybe we'll try again next year. Yeah. Right. But usually on March, they're like, no, I got to get back in the game. Right. But this time in March, the coronavirus hits. So February, March, April, May, I mean, it is a ghost town. My wife's freaking out. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? Oh my God. You know, and I, I had to decide what was I going to do? Was I going to start calling every single one of my clients, see if they wanted to re-up or if they had people that they could refer. And my only thought was we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Who's going to pay, you know, and I'm not cheap. Who's going to pay for coaching right now in the middle of a pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, well, I don't care what you have to do. And I just, I just remember at one point I did what I normally do when the shit hits the fan. I get on my knees. And it was like, okay, God, I need, I need you to help me here because I, I don't know what to do. Okay. Like I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to whore myself out on Facebook ads, you know, and start doing this 
I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know, but what's the other option? <laughs> and this voice came and it was like, coach, coach. Yeah. What do you love doing coaching? Just fucking coach. Don't worry about the money. I told you this a long time ago. Don't worry about the money. Worry about the value. And I was like, I like this. I might be crazy. I'm hearing voices, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going all in on coaching. So I start attending all of my own recovery meetings, like in my, in my membership community, I could, I barely have time to attend almost any of them right now. But back then it was like, I'm just going to show up to every one, single one of my membership calls. Okay. I'm going to reach out to people that are struggling, right? If anyone asks me for help, I'm going to get on calls with them for free. And lo and behold, right around June, it was either May or June. I think it was the end of May. Yeah, May when I celebrated 17 years. Tim Stoddard reaches out to me and he says, listen, I'm starting my own membership community. I'm going to have different people that run different classes or run meetings inside my community. I'm going to have one coaching call a week. I want you to run that coaching call. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and for those for those listening, Tim's been on the show before. So Tim is is the guy that started uh, Sober Nation. So Tim hits you up. And so what do these coaching calls actually look like every week? So it's hard to explain. Try. Because everyone Try. is different. I'll do my best <laughs> to explain. Here's what, you know, for most, and this is, this is where there's a lot here, okay? Yeah. So for those of you listening, in, in January of 2021, so right around the corner next month, the Share Podcast, after six years on the air, is going to stop releasing episodes. The podcast, all the content, the website, all stays live. But I'm pivoting to a new podcast called Omar Pinto Coaching. Why? Because I am no longer just the recovery guy. Recovery is an aspect of my coaching, but is just one aspect. What I do the most and what I take every single one of my clients through, regardless of what they're struggling with, is an emotional healing process. Because that is what happened for me. It was an emotional healing process from trauma and emotional wounding from childhood that just perpetuated over a 45 year period of time, if you can believe that. But ultimately, there is an origin story for all of us. So for some, they don't need a life coach because their origin story started very differently and they figured it out along the way under many circumstances. But there are many of us that our origin story started with some sort of trauma, some sort of wounding. And so here I am going along my path and this trauma happens and I pivot and I stop going down this road and I start moving down this road. And this road leads me to yet a consequence or further trauma or other wounding, which takes me down another road. OK, 
Okay, which ultimately leads to another consequence, another trauma. If you guys are listening to my story, it was just a series of trauma, wounding, consequences, pivot, change, move. Each one progressively getting worse until ultimately there is this huge sort of like rock bottom moment. And there are places where you can deal with the alcohol and the drugs or whatever your food or sex or whatever you're using to numb, escape or soothe the trauma from your past. And you can, for many, many years, you just keep going to meetings or you keep going to your therapist or you keep taking your whatever meds and you just found something new that's more healthy to numb and soothe and escape. But ultimately what I help people do is identify what that trauma is and identify the story that was created. I am not enough. I am not worthy. I'm not deserving. I'm a failure. Um, whatever, whatever story that was. And then reframe all of it create a brand new story from that old story through a series of radical self-awareness, radical ownership or, or, or like a hundred percent ownership of it. And at some point getting an opportunity to go, who would you be without all these failures? Mm -hmm. Who would you be without every single mistake you made, every bad decision you ever made, every wrong turn you ever made, who would you be today? Think about the skill sets that you have in your arsenal that there's no way for someone to teach you these things. Yeah. You can only learn these things through this game of life, through this production, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's what I do on each one of these calls. Someone calls in and they say, um, I'm stuck. I can't seem to focus. I'm procrastinating, right? I'm procrastinating um on everything right and i am not going to class or i'm not going to work or i'm avoiding deadlines or this and this and that right and ultimately i will ask them i will just start asking them questions about okay so when did this begin right and so when did you first start have you always been a procrastinator you know well no okay when was the most recent starts to your procrastination well it started when I, I i took this class and there was this teacher you know and i didn't feel like very comfortable with them and i didn't couldn't open up to them and then when i asked for help they shut me down and and what and there's this pause that happens and the brain immediately starts to go into, I don't know how to answer that question. Oh, what did I do? Did I, I guess I just gave up. I guess I just, I guess I just quit. Why'd you quit? Because I was afraid. Afraid of what? Failing. Right? It's, we're so terrified of failure. Like, Failure has become like AIDS or the coronavirus. You're so afraid to get it. Like it's a fucking disease. And you will do anything 
to avoid feeling the pain associated with failure and disappointment in yourself. So ultimately what I try and do is help guide them into that space because when they're not alone and they're facing that demon, it takes on a different face. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. And now it just becomes an opportunity to learn and grow and the monster disappears and the learning opportunity arrives. That's pretty awesome. So it's, it's helping the, the way I'm understanding it. It's, uh, asking a lot of good fact-finding questions, kind of digging in a little deeper, looking at, at things from a little different uh, angle, reframing it for them, essentially. And, uh, and, and what I heard is, and, and I think, I don't think I know what made such a big difference for me in, in my recovery in my life, and it sounds like you went through the same, uh, same thing, same transformation, if you will, is that looking at our uh, liabilities as assets, right. And, and starting to see, because as you were just kind of asking, uh, rhetorically, you know, who would you be without all these things you went to, uh, went through, I'm thinking, man, super boring, uh, probably not, not living a very exciting, fulfilling life, uh, super just vanilla. Um, and, and so that, that's really awesome that you get uh, that you get people to to see that and to start to uh, to embrace these these things. That's pretty awesome. It is. It is. It is. And it's very simple. It's a very simple process for me. It's primarily uh, fact finding through um, through through powerful questions, mm -hmm. asking powerful, open ended questions. Okay, that provoke, you know, expansion, like you have to expand on all of these answers, right? And ultimately, you just kind of guide them until where they can't, you know, the quicker an answer comes, the more scripted it is, mm. like they're ready for that answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But ultimately, you get to a place where they can't answer a question. That's what you're looking for, is where they can't answer the question. And you watch their eyes kind of go shift. Eyes will immediately go up into their head, go left, go right, go left, go right. They're looking for the answer. Okay. So as a coach, you pay attention to eye movement, right? When they're looking dead at you, they're conscious. They're here. They're ready. You ask a question. What's your favorite ice cream? Vanilla. Okay. What's your favorite car? You know, Jeep Rubicon, you know, where do you live? I live in California. You know, when was the first time you felt afraid as a child? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not scripted on that one. And so what happens is at that moment, the vulnerability kicks in, a little fear kicks in, right? You're kind of discharged and things start to come up. Like immediately into your mind, thoughts will come up, a vision will come up, right? And so from there, if, a, if someone feels comfortable with you, they'll share that with you. Mm -hmm. If they don't, they're just going to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's, here's the skill rapport, safety, trust, intuition, guidance, love. All of these things have to be simultaneously present when you're a coach. People have to feel that, okay? And I just, this is not something that like 
I learned how to do, right? At some point going into it, I kind of, it's almost like I, I lock in, right? Like I, I just, okay, it's coaching time. And I just, and I just lock into place, right? Like a race car driver or a, you know, a tennis player or whatever. Like as soon as I'm on the court, right? And now I'm ready. And so it, what, what happens is that in the intuition is going to lead to the next question or the next statement. So really that's where the practice comes in for being a coach, being a good coach mm. is yeah, you can ask questions, right? But really listening to the answer and the way they respond, the way they give the answer, the words they use in the answer, did they repeat? Is this, how many words do they continue to repeat as you're coaching them? There's words that they use over and over again, phrases that they use over and over again. Mm -hmm. All of this you have to keep, like I'm constantly writing things down as I'm going along because yeah. there's clues everywhere. Sure. Right? So this is where the, the tactician, right? And the practitioner come into play because it's only after years and years and years and years of practice. And what I didn't realize is that those, you know, 11, 10, 11 years where I was coaching guys, I mean, uh, sponsoring guys in 12 step, I spent over 10 years developing and honing in on those skills. So when I go in there, it's second nature. It does take many years, mm. Man, but you'll know if you ain't got it. <laughs> even even though even though it took you know like it was 10 years of me practicing yeah when i first started coaching it didn't take me very many sessions until i realized yep yeah i got this yeah this is a good fit yeah yeah that's pretty cool. i got this i want to circle back uh, uh here real quick and just ask you a little bit about what your recovery looks like today um, and, and maybe if that's changed at all, given everything that's going on with, with COVID right now. Well, um, it's changed dramatically. It, it, in the sense that as I, as I moved more towards personal development, um, you could say to a certain degree that I'm no longer practicing 12 steps in the sense that, and I'm walking very lightly since this is a recovery centered podcast, but for all intents and purposes, I don't have a sponsor. I'm not going to 12 step meetings. Okay. So I guess technically that would mean I'm no longer in 12 step recovery. Okay. So within my membership community, so I have, I have, um, I have mentors. Okay. So they're more like, they're more business now. Mm -hmm. So now I, I have, I have mentors in my life, but I've shifted from needing recovery sponsorship to business mentors, right? And business coaching, right? So that's really where my focus is, is on more of harnessing my business. And then as far as recovery goes, right? I attend my own um, group calls within my membership community, which is still a recovery-based sure. Um a membership community, the SRC, the share recovery community. So the share recovery community is recovery based without a uh, subscribed pathway. Okay. So it's not, 
it's not connected or affiliated with any 12 type step of, or anything else any any yeah. pathway any 12 step or buddhists right, right. or refuge or anything of that sort so really it's a collective so it's a collective of individuals that are embracing uh, an alcohol-free lifestyle. So mm-hmm. let's just basically, let's just make it simple. So it's like this alcohol-free slash substance-free lifestyle. Okay. And the really the calls are more focused on what's going on in individuals' lives. Mm-hmm. So um, where it's not so recovery or alcohol or substance focused, it's more life focused. Yeah. So what's going on in each of the members' lives? I participate in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, my my recovery for the most part comes from my business coaches. Uh, my, you know, I, I do have a, um, I don't know, I guess you would call her, she doesn't like to be called a coach, but I'll call her my coach, right? So she's more like an, she's more an energy healing, right? So she'll do like Reiki on me, but we have our coaching sessions, right? About my mom and about what's going on in my marriage. And so it's like, I have this, like, she's almost like a therapist, right? She just, she doesn't like labels. I kind of, I found her accidentally, right? But she's got these incredible superpowers, right? So I was like, I need you, right? So let's meet, you know, every two weeks, Right. And, you know, keep me on track because I have a lot on me. Mm. I I absorb a lot of energy from, from my clients and from the people that I work with. So I've got her and my business coach and um, my own community. um, And then just my wife who is a coach. Right. So when I get squirrely, she's the first one to notice. And, you know, she can always, for the most part, coach me out of almost any, jackpot i'm in um and that's 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 it it's 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 still quite robust because i have quite a few people in my life that keep me um that keep me focused keep me clear keep me honest you know um so yeah that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah and i think that's interesting you know that and not that this is uh you know, out of, out of the norm by any means, but, you know, you came in via a 12 step program, did that for a long time. And now you've kind of found other things that, that work for you, but it sounds like it's still based in having, uh, like I'm going to describe it as some accountability through people that are close to you. Um, yes. some, some guidance, people you can get feedback from a community, yes. Uh, and, and I know just, uh, you know, from what we talked about before, um, you know, some regular, uh, healthy routines, um, uh, you know, in, in your life that help keep you, uh, you know, keep you on track. So I think that's all awesome stuff. I do want to ask you before we wrap up here, I think you've already shared some, some great advice with everyone, but if there's maybe one piece of advice in particular that you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's. Uh, you know, someone that's, that's new to recovery, someone that's struggling, someone that's maybe trying to uh, focus a little more on life after sobriety, kind of like you were just touching on a little bit, how to find that, that next level in their life, so to speak. There, I'll always, I'll always suggest coaching of some sort um, or being in a 
some sort of membership or mastermind community somewhere where you are definitely not the smartest person in the room, someone that's ahead of you and whatever else you're trying to accomplish um, to continue growing and advancing. I think that's, that's, it's super important. But I think that the thing that I've learned the most, and it's, it's come recently through even one of my clients, one of my clients, Joe, who we were having a conversation and there's so many things that I have learned and there's so many skill sets that I, that I have and that I possess, right? Mm -hmm. But it came through a plethora of information. So he, one of the things he told me was, here's what, here's what feels right for me. What feels right for me is that nothing is the source, that there isn't the Bible, 12 steps, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, like, I don't care what it is. There's information out there that's a resource that's available to all of us. As a matter of fact, there's no way in your lifetime to consume all the information that's available at our fingertips. But the most important thing to remember is that every single thing that you learn, everything that comes across your desk is a resource, is an opportunity to get closer to source, but it's not the source, okay? I'm not the source, literature's not the source, there isn't any person, place, or thing that is the source. Source is inside you. Source is connected to infinite intelligence, is infinite wisdom, universal consciousness, right? And so the best way for you to connect with who you really are and the knowledge that you have at your disposal is in silence, is in being present and being silent and in meditation, not in the past, not in the future, being in the moment, asking yourself, is the current, is the current trajectory of my life, am I going in the right direction? What's the highest purpose for me in this moment? To just for today, what should I do with this information that I just, I'm no longer comfortable with? Is it okay for me to do something different? Is it okay for me to learn and grow? Those questions you can ask yourself in quiet, silent meditation, right? And then from there, you can go out and read and listen to podcasts and YouTubes and read books and Audible and all that kind of stuff, right? Because what happens is this, once, once you kind of either set an attention or ask infinite intelligence, what am I supposed to do next? And you kind of get an idea, something comes to you. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is now start going out and doing research because it will start to guide you towards the information that you're seeking. Okay. That might sound a little bit woo wooey for, for some of you listeners, but the truth is that the only source is within. Everything else is a resource that will give you guidance, that will teach you, that will give you skill, that will help you sharpen your skill sets. But as soon as you get tied down to one thing and say, this is it, this is the source, 12 steps is the only way, Christianity is the only way, Buddhism is the only way, uh, personal development's the only way. As soon as you tie yourself down to anything, 
and you allow yourself to believe that that is the source, you might be in for some pain hmm. in the future based on disappointment. You will be disappointed. It will let you down, right? Everything you need is inside of you. Follow that internal guidance. Wow, man, that's really, that's really awesome advice. I think we can, we can wrap right there. So you can learn more about Omar's coaching and his new podcast by visiting omarpinto.com. Don't forget to turn, tune in and check out his uh, weekly coaching sessions uh, on Sobriety Engine. Thanks again for coming on the show, Omar. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate it, brother. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.